Hey y'all, welcome back to She's My Person. We are really excited to begin this first series of the new year with y'all. We are going to dive into everything body image, self-love, just basically battle against everything that you're seeing in social media that's trying to tell you that you need to be something different and feel a certain way about your body and work for a certain standard. We're just really on the opposite side of that. And we've Ellen and I both have had our own personal struggles, whether with injury or eating disorders and things like that. So every guest that we bring to you in this series, the stories that we share are just going to be, you know, the courage to get vulnerable with you to let you know that you aren't alone in whatever you are facing. And to also just remind you that you are enough as you are right here in this moment. So to kick that series off, we are super excited to welcome Jennifer Hoffman today. I'm going to share a little about her and then we will dive in. So Jen has seven years of experience working in the nonprofit sector. Over the last three years, Jen has worked as a resident services coordinator in affordable housing for nonprofits based out of the Bay Area as well as San Diego. Prior to relocating to California, she worked as a prevention intervention specialist for a community health nonprofit in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for four years. Prior to transitioning to the nonprofit sector, Jen ran and owned Loco Fitness, a small group and personal training business where she designed and implemented small group, corporate, and individualized fitness programming for seven years. Though her career path has changed over the years, Jen has felt each job, mission trip, and coaching experience were the preparation she needed for the next opportunity to impact the lives of the people that she had the privilege of working alongside. Jen, it is a pleasure to have you with us today. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. I feel honored to be here. We're so excited to have you on. I've known Jen, what now, like two years, probably two and a half years. And you were the first person that popped in my head that I was like, I got to reach out to her and get her on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Jen, you just have such great energy. And we love the mission that you stand for with everything within your life. And just kind of what you believe in is basically exactly what we stand for. I was listening to your podcast or your TEDx the other day. And I was like, wow, she just said everything that I wish I had the courage to say (laughs) in all types of ways. But You know, one thing I did want to ask is how did you get the courage, I guess, to stand up and do that TEDx and what what kind of brought you into that that space? Great question. Um, (laughs) You know, being a self self identifying myself, a androgynous lesbian and being 36 years old to date myself as well. No one looked like me growing up. (laughs) And so it took me a long time to figure out who I was. And I figure if I can share my story, if I can show up the most authentic, most lined, highest, best version of myself and do the work to get there, then all I'm doing is helping lay the foundation for somebody else to get there faster and that they don't have to have the struggles that I had. So I was actually on a mission trip talking about Brene Brown, uh, a TEDx talk about her and someone that was on the mission trip with me goes to Texas A&M where I did the, the TEDx talk that I did. And she invited me to apply and they picked me. And that's how I got there. So, yeah, I just feel very privileged because I I, I do believe we all have the same set of emotions. They just show up differently. And absolutely. I think our stories are what help us see parts of ourselves in each other. And that's what connects us because we really aren't disconnected at all. And I just think, you know, to me, that TEDx was a privilege, like I said, to be the voice I needed for a little girl or a little boy to, to know that you matter. You are literally a walking, breathing miracle. You are a snowflake. You are a grain of sand. You have never been repeated before. You never will be. 
And if we don't start, I mean, I think I feel I get really like hyped up. I'm actually getting a little bit choked up right now talking about it. But I just I love it. I I just man, why are why else would we be on this planet if we weren't to be celebrated for the uniqueness that we are? Because you are the only one ever, ever. Like you've never been repeated. You weren't born, you know, centuries ago or centuries from now. You were born now in the midst of COVID. You were you're here for purpose and reason. And how is that not? exciting and beautiful and amazing. I just, I know I get fired up about it. So anyway, went off on a tangent, but yeah, that's how I got into the TEDx. (laughs) Well, that's what I think, you know, when you say we're all miracles because we were created during this time, I think that's such a great point because, you know, we all are individuals and we all have our own story, but we're meant to be here at this time for a reason. It's not, it's, there's, no coincidence that we're all here at the same time. You know, when you look at over the years, who's lived in the 1800s or whatever it could be, we were all meant to be here at this time. So I think that's a really great point that you make with that. Yeah. I mean, I I believe life is happening for you always. And sometimes that means you need to change your vision, your your perception, you know, and sometimes they have to keep repeating themselves till you learn the lesson, like banging your head against the wall. But no, I do think life is showing up for you to give you what you need to be the next best version of yourself. Yeah. Um, It's an invitation to me. And our our stories allow us to share on that journey because we're all on the same journey. You know, we're all going in the same direction, I like to believe. Some of us are in different places, but that's what we're, I think, to me, that's why we're here is to become the best, most authentic version of ourselves. I completely agree. And I think, you know, the line of work that, you've ever had or what you've done in your past, it seems like it all has a central meaning and it all kind of goes back to helping people mm-hmm. in some sort of way. And to me, for you know what you've struggled with at such a young age, it, it really does build a lot of courage and it builds a lot of knowledge, I would say. So you're able to kind of reverse everything that you've dealt with and help people that need that courage and they need to understand that it's okay to just be you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're all coming out of a closet in some way, right? And I just happen to be gay and everybody has stuff that they're trying to get over and, or that they don't even know that they need to get over yet because they're just not ready for the awareness that comes with that. You know, maybe you, you, you need one more thing to get to that next point. If I was handed what I was given right now before being a personal trainer, you know, seven, eight years ago, I wouldn't have handled it with the care I do now with the grace and, and, and the patience. No, there's no way. I mean, personal training really just taught me like, you know, fitness is a journey, you know, spirituality is a journey, finding out who you are, it's a journey, but it's all the same exact journey. And it's really getting back to the root of who you are, healing the wounds that need to be healed, learning what doesn't serve you, right? Like, mm-hmm. how many leaves do we learn in our households or in our schools or in our neighborhoods? And, you know, I think social media is the gift of that is that, you know, for the first time in our lives, we can say, actually, no, it doesn't have to be that way. And that doesn't make any sense. And it's not really helpful for humanity nor myself. So no, no, thank you. I don't want that anymore. You know, relieve ourselves of these burdens of things that we don't really need to carry anymore. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's powerful too, that, you know, I liked what you said about how we're all connected. We all feel the same emotion. We're all on this journey of figuring out who we are. And I think that's a very powerful outlook because I feel so often we get caught up in labels and in the conscious and subconscious conditionings that we've been raised with. 
whether it's religion or it's parental influence or whatever that is that, you know, our outlook on the world is shaped by the people that we spend the most time with in those early years of our lives. And so labels are a huge part of that. And, um, you know, I've been on my own personal, like just education education journey this year, more around like the racism side of things and just trying to understand how our world ever got to the place that it's in right now, where equality is so far from being what it should be. But I just, I really like that point of view and understanding that, you know, we, we all are the same and we are certainly a heck of a lot better together than we're ever going to be apart. Acknowledging, you know, acknowledging the fact that we're the same and we're different, you know, and those differences in whether it's how we look or how we love or how we live or the color of our skin, like whatever that is, that it shouldn't impact like how people view you or their initial just desire to see your heart. And that's, in, in my opinion, that's the biggest disconnect we have in our world right now is we just like lead from these subconscious conditionings instead of like being like, how can I know this person and then make the decision on whether or not they're a person that I want to know on a deeper level. I just think that's a really powerful way to look at it, that if we can connect with that emotion rather than with those conditionings, it can be a very powerful transition. Yeah. Well, I, what is that to quote, only dead fish go with the current? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care if I make people, I mean, I, I do, I try to be respectful, mindful, you know, the gift of awareness, the gift of being an empath is being able to feel the room and to feel people, both a blessing and a curse. But, and even, you know, quite frankly, that journey of figuring out, oh, what I'm feeling right now isn't actually about me. It's about this person or it's the vibe of this room. Like just being able to differentiate that. I mean, a huge life-changing for me. But, you know, when you start to see what matters to you when you root yourself in, in who you are and loving who you are, because you're not a mistake. You know, what showed up for you in life was for you to be the best version of you, for you to impact the world in the best way possible. And if you look at it that way, I, I don't see how you can go down the stream with everybody else. I, th- I mean, I, I, the other part is, is that I, what I find really interesting for myself is what makes somebody want to have these types of conversations burst just floating down the river. Like what, what happens that people are like, yeah, no, this is Gucci. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with this. <laughs> I know there's privilege. There's a lot of other things and nuances. I just, man, it leaves you feeling disconnected. I think there's a lot of guilt and shame inside a lot of those emotions as well. Mm-hmm. And you just don't feel part of a community. And then you need to put labels on it. And then you need to judge. And then you feel disconnected and you're left wondering why. I just, you know, I, I, I said this in my TED talk. I say it all the time. I really do believe we live from two emotions, fear and love all the time. Absolutely. And if you're living in love, you are swimming upstream, fighting to know who you are, fighting to see the guy next to you for who they truly are. And knowing that we're, we're all doing the best we can to get it right, because we're all unpacking all these layers of things that never really served us to begin with or lies or images or I mean it is rammed down our throat like you said everywhere you go you know I mean if if they can sell it to you it's probably not in some way true right like if 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 it was around you know everybody is amazing and beautiful do you think they would try to sell makeup or certain things right like it's it's going against the grain of everything we've ever been taught finding and that doesn't mean you can't like makeup and you can't like certain things but the difference is liking it for you not for right. the, the, the exterior. Right. The superficial type of relationships. And, and another thing that stood out to me, and I was just thinking back to what you said in the TEDx, whenever you kind of had the changing point in being afraid of basically being you and just feeling comfortable in your own skin. And it, and it sounded like it was 
in an interview that you walked into. And what I kind of felt the same was that first impression can be so scary. And it's, yeah. it's because people have these judgments and these biased opinions based off of something that they were programmed to think should be how it is. But like you said, when you're actually loving and it comes down to you as a person and your, act- and your story, that's whenever you can, you can see who that person is and those first impressions don't matter. So I thought your point with that was really interesting because you said how in the beginning, I'd actually rather you explain the point. <laughs> from, that, from that example from my TEDx? Yes. So the story goes is that I am going to be, I was hired for a job in Pittsburgh for social emotional learning. And it is a, they use ballroom dancing to teach kids honor, integrity, all these things. And I get the job and I do this whole training. At the end of the training, they told me that I had to wear a dress. So I couldn't even like wear like, so I used to, what Ellen was talking about, in my interviews, I used to wear these like ridiculous like <laughs> they're so bad. Like these kitten heels, and I had like two pairs, and I had like these like girly dress pants from H and M, and you know that my, my power woman suit. But I only wore it for like interviews, and then because I knew once I, I I got past that first interview, I'd be Gucci. They'd be, they'd be like, okay, this person is legit. But I was so afraid of what they when they saw me, if I came in wearing the three-piece suit I rock now, would they not hire me just because of what they saw? They wouldn't even listen to me. They wouldn't even let me sit at the table anymore. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had a coworker go to bat for me because, you know, I got hired for the job, but did the interview and then, you know, do the training. And then they're like, you have to dress elegant. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah. I'm getting a tux. I'm going all in. I don't even know, like, like low key when I was a kid, I was like, man, I wish I was James Bond though. Like always wearing a tuxedo, always like, <laughs> like legit. And yeah, they're like, no, you had to wear a dress. So I like, I couldn't even wear the fake thing, the kitten heel thing that was already uncomfortable. And like the whole training was about making kids feel safe and that they belong and um, the integrity that everybody dances with everybody. You don't have a choice was going against everything that me wearing a dress would stand for. And so you know, I'm excited about this thing that, you know, hindsight was, you know, the kickstart for me to be where I'm at in my journey. This, I took this training and all these things I've believed and felt my whole life all of a sudden were in my lap and I'm going to teach it to kids that I didn't get when I was a kid. Right. And I'm stoked. Mm -hmm. And then I can't even do it because how, there's no way I'm going in a dress. That's ridiculous. Like, like kids feel, we have, we fail kids and we Mm -hmm. fail kids because adults failed us. And I really believe that we can be the generation to change that because the reality is kids already are all these things that we're trying to undo. We're putting them on them. Mm -hmm. And so we need to get back to our childlike nature of being very ambiguous and you just like what you like and you don't care. And some friends, you know, that like, that's just that friend that you only hang out with in the sandbox. And then there's that (laughs) other friend that you, you know, do sleepovers with and they, they've earned the right to hear some of your stories. Like we are already doing that at like five, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And we, we fully showed up knowing that if they want to hang out, cool. If they don't, not my business. Like, fine, they don't want to play tag. That's their <laughs> problem. Not my problem, right? But it's the same thing that we're trying to figure out now as adults is I've learned it, the more I align myself and who I am from the inside out, the more my tribe, my people show up. The like energy attracts. We're swimming upstream together. But I, I mean, it really does come. That was like a turning point for me was... I can't keep selling myself 
for less of what I deserve for other people's comforts. Because that doesn't exactly. serve me at all. That doesn't serve me. That doesn't serve humanity. That doesn't help the people I love. I mean, that, that, that's an energy that trickles. That's a cancer. That's how I see that. Mm-hmm. It affects you. It affects, you, you know, the way you show up with your friends, the way you show up with your family. I mean, it's just, it, and, and nothing is benign. All energy has to go somewhere. So when you deny yourself, where is that going? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, when you were saying about the kindergarten analogy too, that, that also stood out to me because it, it goes back to, we ruin kids at that point, you know, like, like the kids are, kids are just so carefree. They're not judging. They don't, they don't have all of these labels drilled into their head at this point. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to turn around and, and judge someone for how the person wants to be or who that person is, they're just going to say, oh, cool, that's what they do. It's different than what I do and move on with it where adults are going to hold on to it yeah. and, and basically like live off of that negativity. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, that's defensiveness, right? And if you have to defend something, you're living in fear. And if you're living in fear, then something in you is unaligned. Yep. Because, yep. you know, I see this, you know, I don't, I don't know how y'all feel about religion and spirituality. I, to me, that's the most potent version of being unaligned. Why would your face affect anybody else's face? That makes no sense to me. Right. If you right. believe what you believe so deeply, what does it matter what someone else believes? Right. Would you it's not? Your believe? Yeah. yeah, it's your thing. Like, and, then, and then I think if you believe in it so deeply, you can see the way the person that maybe is Muslim or even atheist for that matter, how aligned you are in the things that are comparative. Not the things that are different. That's yep. to me an interesting thing that we focus on the differences in, instead of like what we have the same. Like that just doesn't make any sense to me. And then to be to feel like you need to make someone feel ashamed for it. Well, then doesn't that make all religion and faith bullshit at that point? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, <laughs> I mean, doesn't that mean then that we're all full of it and we're all getting it wrong, which is already the truth to begin with? <laughs> I mean, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, I think the judgment part, like it's, that's not our job. It's, it's never been our job. And yet so many people like make it their personal goal to, to do that. And, you know, the, the partner that I'm currently with, he is just very like in touch with that, you know, like when something will come up or like, you know, you hear something about somebody else or whatever. Like I, I have caught myself because I think a lot of it is, is how we're conditioned too, you know, and it's like the the nature of our environment and, you know, that whole thing about being replica of the people you spend the most, the five people you spend the most time, like there's a lot of truth to that, you know, because the environment that you're in is the environment that your heart spends the most time in where it learns a lot of things from. And so it's been interesting for me and our relationship to like realize that and to really like hone in on that and be like, you know what, he's right. Like, it's not my place to judge. And no, I might not make that decision or I might not agree with it personally. But that isn't my place, and we're never going to be able to arrive at a place of love in this world if we continue to make that our personal journey of trying to decide who's worthy and who's not and who needs this and who needs that. And it's like, you know, I respect everybody's beliefs as much as I respect my own. So it's like, why can't we just show up with kindness and say, you know what, actually, there's a lot I can learn from you because you were gifted a different lens that I don't have. And you understand things in a way that I don't. And let's learn and let's extend grace. And then we can hold on to our beliefs at the end of the day. So I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Well, and that all goes back to story too, right? Like every religious book is based off of story. And story has emotion. <laughs> and, and it all goes back to being a human and just relating. Like, you know, someone else's beliefs 
life, whatever, unless they are physically or emotionally harmful to you, are they really actually impacting your life? Right. Like what, what, does, what does someone else's belief actually do to my actual life? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Well, I think, I think a lot of times the, the need to evaluate or criticize somebody else's beliefs or somebody else's body or and I just had this conversation with my sister a little bit ago because she's just you know she's at that phase of life where her body's developing and changing and she you know went from being in high school and being able to like eat whatever she wants to like really just trying to figure out how to exercise and how to fuel herself properly and all of that and so we were just having like a body love conversation basically and you know, there's just a lot of hate in the world. A lot of people that say things, especially when you're transitioning, when you're going from like looking one way to looking another, I feel like people are so quick to be like, oh, you know, like she put on a few pounds or she did this or she did that. And I dealt with it so much when I was recovering from my eating disorder. So it's such a sensitive part of my heart. Yeah. And, you know, I just told her, I'm like, that is just their inability to look in their own mirror. Like they would rather look in yours because criticizing you is easier than getting honest with themselves. And that's, that's what it comes down to. Like, you know, I think the biggest lesson for me in just learning how to accept who I am as a person is knowing that other people's opinions of me are about them. It has absolutely nothing to do with me I ever did, you know? And it's like, it's a liberating feeling when you get to that point, because, you know, those people that are so desperate to be in your business or to know every detail about your life or to have criticism about how you choose to love and live, like, that's their own unhappiness in their, in their own world that they're unwilling to face, so they'd rather face yours. Yeah, yeah. Rumi said, we're all mirrors. And so whatever you see in somebody else that irritates you, that's you. Exactly. That's, you. that's, that's your stuff coming back right back in your face. And it's going to keep showing up for you and every person that irritates you in that way or rubs you that way, because that's something that you need to work on. That's about you. Yeah, that's interesting because it is, I mean, you're going to be so more likely to look for something that you're conscious of, even if it's in your subconscious. And obviously that's something within. So when you're projecting that out into anyone around you, you're going to pick at those things knowing in the back of your head, it bothers you. So that's that's an interesting point. I've never heard that. Well, if you think about it, how can you recognize it if you don't know it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You you already know it. So all it is doing is saying, here I am. Sorry, not going away. Probably won't ever until you figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) You're stuck with me. (laughs) Sorry about it. Sorry, not sorry. Actually, it's probably what we should say. Sorry, not sorry. For the good of humanity, you need to figure this out. Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's... It all kind of goes back to, like you said, just being comfortable with yourself and telling your story and then just hoping that people can feel that love and start feeling comfortable within themselves too. Because I think, you know, others' walls go down once they feel love from someone else and once they understand another person's intentions. So I think it's really important that if as many people can lead with the love that they have within, everyone's going to start spreading it rather than everyone kind of tiptoeing around on fear of, well, what if they judge me for this? Or what if they, they don't like me? Or whatever your fear might be, if you let that wall down, I think the world altogether would really be a better place. Yeah, I think that's, you know, for me, just being on this journey from like that moment, like that was like an aha moment for me. Like, I'm like, why am I hiding who I am? If they're not going to hire me, that's not about me. And mm-hmm. quite frankly, they're missing out. So if you're worried about what I'm wearing so much, not what I bring to the table and the way that I can impact the kids in a positive way in the city of Pittsburgh, that's not about me. That's about you, you know? But yep. if I don't show up authentically either, you know, I can't ask for life to offer me that either. I have to show up authentically and I have to do the work to be able to do that. And 
to be aware when I'm off track and to check in with myself and to be present with myself from the inside out, to know when I'm being influenced by somebody else or social media, because we're not, I mean, we're not perfect. We're, you know, I still struggle with stuff like that all the time. Yeah. You know? In fact, for me, you know, that's a checking point, you know, so social media is a barometer for me. When I post mm-hmm. something, I ask myself, why, what am I trying to get out of this? Cause everything has an intention. Mm-hmm. What do you want from this? Do you need attention? If you do, what does that mean? What are you looking for? Yeah. That's, yeah, and I think there's like the other the other element of that too that I feel like I didn't really know or at least I was not educated deeply enough on the importance of it until last year. But just also the power of using your voice because it's really easy to, you know, say that you're for equality or that you support everybody or you know that you have no judgment towards others. It's a whole other thing to live that way. And I had a really honest conversation. She's one of my best friends. I went to college with her, but just when the whole like George Floyd death happened, just around racism and just the importance of like being an alley and what that actually looks like when you're advocating for the people that you love. If, you know, a, a, any part of their life is still perceived by the public as not like accepted. I was just so, I was like, I was hurt by how, how much I lacked in the education of the importance of that. And it's like, you know, it's, it's one thing to not be the person that says those things, but it's a whole other thing to be sitting at a table and have comments or have hate or have those topics brought up and actually have the courage to stand up and say, this isn't okay. And so I yeah. think like, you know, the power of using your voice, understanding the intention behind that and actually asking yourself if it's elevating the hearts of the people around you. And if you're really doing all that you can, you know, because I think for, for most of us, it's like, there's a fear piece, you know, there's a fear piece for that actual standing up and using our voice for change and for good. And that's why vulnerability is like, you know, until recently has been a taboo thing. And it's like vulnerability is the only way that we connect with each other. It's the only way that we're ever actually going to know people's hearts and how to love them. But it's one thing to say it, it's a whole other thing to do it. And I, that's what just impresses me the most about you is that you actually walk the walk as well. I think that that's so powerful. And it, you know, it's really that example opens the space for other people to do the same. And I think that that's just a really great lesson for our audience to learn is like, you know, when you step out in courage and honor the path that you have in front of you, it's like, literally, it gives people the space to follow behind you and do exactly the same thing. And it gives me the opportunity to have really hard conversations. Exactly. You know, I've, you know, I was a Lyft driver when I was trying to find work full time here and it's interesting how people show up. So, <laughs> you know, and, and your energy, right? Like I could tell when I was like in a piss mood, you know, probably not going to really open up a really genuine deep party conversation if I'm, if I'm not showing up fully. Right. But yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, that actually like driving Lyft, you know, I think I've driven like 4,000 people wow. in four years. And so that's 4,000 different experience. That's just 4,000 rides. And like how many different experiences are and how many different people are on that ride. And just, I think that's why I feel so deeply what I say about this alignment thing is people really want to do that. They really, I mean, unless you're a sociopath, but but that's because your brain doesn't allow you to actually think that way. But most people really do want to do good. They want to be their best version of themselves. You know, like I said earlier about the kids and kindergartners, they, they, they do, they need labels. I, I actually heard somebody talk about labels and stereotypes in a way that made me feel better. Not better like, oh, let myself off the hook, but our brains have to categorize. You can't just, if you didn't categorize, you'd wreck your car when you drive because you wouldn't be able to say, that's a stop sign, that's 
grass, this is dirt. Like we do that. We label and categorize to navigate our worlds. The question is, when do you let it, again, going back to being the dead fish going downstream, we are no longer aware that you're doing it. And you're assuming that if it doesn't look like you, talk like you, walk like you, it's wrong. And that's, mm-hmm. that's not true because, you know, I firmly believe there, there is no right or wrong. There's only truth. And mm-hmm. truth is really personal. And that truth is different than fact, too, though. I think a lot of people, I say that, and people are like, well, that's not necessarily true because the sky is blue. Well, that's a fact. Fact, <laughs> is, <laughs> fact is like science proven. Like, there's no way to change <laughs> what it is. But, like, truth is really personal because your story, you know, all three of us are in this conversation, right? And all three of us are going to have three different perceptions of it. Mm-hmm. None of it's wrong. It's just your truth. It's how you perceived it. It's what you were available for in the moment. It's, you know, how, how clear you were with your alignment and your vulnerability, et cetera. You know, and then you go back and look at your conversations where maybe, maybe you didn't show up the way you wanted to. And then that's a tool to navigate and to do better the next time and then do better the next time, right? Do you think really people want to be vulnerable, but people don't know how. And even like being vulnerable for myself, you know, I've had to learn the hard way because I'm overly transparent and blunt. Not everybody actually has earned the right to hear some of your stuff either. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. been a really, you know, that's probably like now more of what I try to be mindful of is not everybody needs to know exactly how you feel right now, even though that's how I would like to be, but they didn't necessarily earn it either. There's one thing to like share transparently, but there's another thing when you walk away, like, you know, when you've tried to share with somebody, like when you meet somebody new, this happens like for me, especially now that we've moved and like meeting friends as an adult person is really hard. Yes. <laughs> you meet a person and you live from vulnerability, right? Like for me, I want to attract the people that I can have these types of conversations with. I can ask them, I need really hard feedback right now. This is how I responded, whether if that's racism or whatever. Like that's what I need. That's what I want. That's what I thrive from. Mm-hmm. But not everybody can do that. But you still have to show up and try, right? And right. what I've learned, you know, in the last four years or so doing that is like, have you ever had that conversation with somebody that like you realize they can't really handle the vulnerability, and then you walk away, you feel really icky. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, yeah. for sure. <laughs> I hate that. It's like yeah. the worst. But like, yes. if you don't try, you don't learn to use your, I don't know, your, your like spidey senses to know like, yeah, okay, maybe I'm oversharing right now. This person doesn't seem like they connect. Like it's, a, it's such a dance, and it really is a journey. You can't be like, you know what, I'm going to be vulnerable and just start showing up. And like, that's how you make connection. That's not going to get it either. It's, it's really feeling like, oh my God, I shared this thing that was very intimate. And that, if that person did not hold that sacred story with love and care. And then learning from that scenario and not repeating that scenario. And then as you show up building your tribe and people, and, and, and then there's levels of vulnerability too, just like you have levels of trust and respect. But I definitely think it's a learning process and offering yourself grace, but you do have to fully show up and you have to do a lot of self-reflection. Yeah. And I think that's a really good like way to bring it all together. I'm a lot like you, Jen. I lead just with vulnerability. I've always done that. I've learned that lesson the hard way time and time again as well. And definitely within the last year of just realizing like not everybody actually deserves the right to that much of my heart. And their opinion and their voice and their noise, like I get to control whether that narrative actually goes inward. 
And, you know, for me, the, there was like a piece of it that I felt like, you know, maybe part of it is like I want validated in the vulnerability when I do share, you know, so it's like a learning process of understanding like what actually is my intention mm-hmm. behind sharing this experience? Like, is it to be helpful or is it for like, you know, something that I'm still personally working through and maybe this isn't the space for me to do that. So I think it's powerful that you're aware of that too, because you know, I always say our strengths when they're turned up too loud or weaknesses. I learned that from um, my mentor, Yana Robinson. But, you know, she always says, like, how we do one thing is how we do all things. But when we're doing anything, whether it's a strength or a weakness, when it's turned up too loud, it's just elevated to a completely new height. And so I just, I think that self-reflection piece is everything as you begin to navigate vulnerable conversations. And also just being really honest with yourself about the people that actually deserve access to that much of you. Cause our energy is sacred. What we have to offer the world is sacred and it's not mm-hmm. cut out for everybody to have the opportunity to hear. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I have a flow of being on my, that journey with people like next to you, right? Like knowing that they're, Brene talks about it a lot. Like you don't get a right to talk to me about it unless you're in the ring fighting too. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. I, I love I love Brene Brown. She's incredible. Yeah, she was like a life altering. After I read all her work, I was like, Oh my god, this is why I feel this way. This is why I am who I am. Oh my, all of my adolescence makes sense now. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, I was just gonna say the knowledge of understanding that other people go through it. You know, I think sometimes when you're a kid and there's adults telling you to be a certain way or to act a certain way, it's hard to realize that it's okay to be different. And it's okay that, okay, maybe I think this way. And that's not technically what society is saying, but you're really not the only one thinking that way. Everyone's just conforming to that because they think that's what they're supposed to do. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, Jen, so much of what you shared. I mean, I feel like we didn't even have to ask questions because like your story <laughs> and your energy is just very powerful. And I, and I love that. And I think, you know, I'm just a big believer in sharing your story when given that space where you feel safe and supported and like it's actually valuable to the people that you're sharing it with. And I know that our audience will, will feel that deeply because I know that Elle and I both have. Did you have anything that, else that you wanted to share? I want you to let our audience know where they can find you. But any like last, last minute thoughts from you would be great. You know, I just think, do some self-check-in, figure out when you listen to people talk like this, people that are wrestling and doing the work too, it's okay to copy at first because that's how you figure out your version of it, right? And don't be afraid to be curious and flex that muscle. It's, it's exercise, you know, to talk like this, to think like this is exercise. Just like you work out every day, you got to do this every day. And it's the work of a lifetime and it's, it's worth all of it. I mean... I would never want to go back to where I was a year ago, let alone 10. Yeah. I'm just grateful to be in this, this space and that I have the tools to navigate my life and to make sense of things and to connect with people in a way that feels purposeful and meaningful because that's why I think we're here. Love that. Yeah. I appreciate y'all. I'm all fired up now. I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. Yeah, well, we, we, appreciate, we appreciate you so much. And, you know, I'm looking forward to hopefully meeting you in person when Ellen and I make it down there in a few, or I don't even know what, I'm, I always say down there, like I'm going south, but I, I look forward to out meeting there. you when we, make, when we make it out there in a few months. But yeah, no, thank you so much for sharing this space with us tonight. It's a very powerful way to kick off this next series. And uh, yeah, we'll just, we'll keep in touch soon and we'll share your social media handles in the audience notes as well so that you can they can connect with you that way too but thank you again and uh we will see our listeners next week i hope y'all enjoyed this conversation as much as we have thank you all